Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. If you're not the malicious type, why don't you help out by hitting the like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our first story of the day is by Rock Melons Our God. Speak the darn language. Okay. So this happened to my roommate whilst on our semester abroad, and I just remembered it and thought it would fit. Short, but sweet. So for reference, Sally speaks three languages, English, French, and Spanish. I only speak English and Spanish. We decided to go to Canada for our semester abroad because no maple syrup and fun? And during this time, we would generally communicate English because that's what everyone else was. With the occasional break into Spanish when we need to discuss something private or when our brains got tired and it was easier to speak our native tongue. At a party Sally and I were at, we were talking in Spanish about a private issue and were approached by this drunken girl who loudly exclaimed that we should be speaking the language of the land. We ignored her. After a little bit more drunken shouting, she yelled, This is Canada, speak the language. Sally grinned and answered, Okay, before bursting into French. If you were in a situation like this and somebody comes up to you saying, You're in so-and-so country, speak English. Would you rather tell them off, keep speaking in that language anyways, or just flat out ignore them? Let me know what you think is the best idea in the comments down below. Our next story is by Extreme Attitude 7696 Kristen Preacher, Malicious Compliance in the Church I am no longer a minister in a Christian church of about 300 people on the East Coast as of yesterday. Things have been really tough over the last several years for the church and me personally. COVID lockdowns, mother-in-law passing, marriage almost done. I've had anxiety breakdowns and this is on top of all the church drama. You experience people and circumstances at the best and worst in the ministry. I decided to step down from my role as the preacher at the end of November in 2021. In years past, the ministers have left on bad terms and it hurt the church. So I wanted to rise above that and be the person I preached about. So in reality, I wasn't doing anything special, just trying to be a respectful and kind guy. I gave the church like a four weeks notice with my resignation on December 1st, only two weeks required though. I was also due a four week paid sabbatical, just a rest period, but I was willing to forego that for a shorter period of rest at the beginning of the year. And I would help the church out however I could. This is important for later. It's also important to know that times are tough to find good ministers right now. No one wants to deal with church drama anymore. There's a massive exodus of preachers and I've officially joined the ranks. The leaders asked me to help them formulate a what's next plan, so I try to be as helpful as possible. Here's the plan I submitted on December 6th. 1. I would become the interim preacher on January 1st, 2022. 2. I would take a rest from January 1st to the 23rd instead of a full sabbatical. Note, vacation resets at the beginning of the year. I have 4 weeks. So I could have been a jerk and kept quiet in January, took vacation in February, and then peaced out. 3. I would return to preach on January 30th, help lead the church, help find a backfill, help hand off my other duties. I oversaw the website, social media, and pretty much ran everything. 
Very important for later. I overworked myself, which led to my wrecked marriage, burnout, and resignation. 4. I had some vacation left in 2021, so I saved it for the last week in December. The church was closed anyways, so no big deal. I just really needed a break from preaching in church from January 2nd to January 23rd. Unfortunately, I got called back from vacation to preach on January 2nd because the two other ministers got sick and couldn't preach. So, again, trying to be the good guy, I sacrificed my vacation to prepare a sermon and preached on January 2nd. Payday comes around on January 21st and I don't get a deposit. I email the leaders, who haven't spoke to me since January 2nd, what's going on. They decide I didn't deserve my sabbatical pay, even though I do and I could have made it worse, and all they would give me is minimum wage for the time I worked beginning in February. I said no. Despite the disrespect and unloving nature, I gave them an offer. Pay out my due sabbatical, and I'll direct charge my time in February at my current hourly rate. What was their response on January 23rd? We have decided to terminate our professional relationship. Clean out your office and hand in your keys. Now, I made financial plans based on getting paid by the church. I told them this. I told them that I sacrificed my sabbatical in 2020 because of COVID, and the youth minister knocked up a girl less than a year out of the youth group so I couldn't take a sabbatical, and oh, guess what? They paid that youth minister full salary while he was on administrative discipline for three months. Messy situation. Maybe I'll tell more one day. At this point, I feel angry. I am pissed. I started my new job on January 3rd, but I also was planning on the income from the church for the first few weeks until I got paid by my new job. And I'd been telling lots of people I'd return soon to preach again. I'm not bragging, but I was really well-liked and loved by many people, and I helped lead the church through COVID to have its best year it's ever had since 2013. So, as of January 23rd, I am no longer an acting representative of the church. Trigger malicious compliance. I'm the admin on all of the social media, website, app, web plugins, and more. I received a text today on January 24th from one of the leaders. I got an email, you removed yourself from Planning Center, which then brings up what other accounts do you hold, especially at the admin level, or more importantly, are the only admin on? I believe you're the only admin on Weebly. Would you assign me as admin on any accounts you're the only admin on? Appreciate it. Sorry, former boss man. I'm no longer an acting representative of the church. Maybe you should have honored the plan I laid out last month. Figure out how to run the app, edit the website, and log into all the socials. Petty? Maybe. But I did everything I could to make things, not just right, but good for the church. Where did that get me? Kick to the curb. But I have to admit that the Bible promised me such things. And if this is the worst of life, I have much to be thankful for. Lessons I learned. 1. Don't think for a moment people won't be selfish and act in their own self-interests. 2. Am I guilty of doing the same thing to others? 3. Life is messy inside and outside the church. 4. Accept that all people, especially Christians, are broken people. Adjust your expectations and act accordingly. It just goes to show you that even in church, the people you do business with, people you thought you might be chums with on good terms with, it's totally possible for them to go, turn around and stab you right in the back when given the opportunity to. Cover your butt when possible, and when it comes to business, paychecks, all that stuff, 
make sure you plan for any possibility because you just never know. This next story is by PickleRick12321, fun with a student handbook. So this goes back to when I was in high school. I was a pretty stubborn teenager with ADHD and I enjoyed studying as it weirdly helped me focus. Most of the time when I got in trouble, it was because I finished my work, got bored, and so started messing around. I fully accept when I got in trouble for my own actions, but I had one teacher, let's call him Mr. D, who just seemed to have it out for me and would find almost any given reason to give me crap. Once gave me a detention because someone on the other side of class threw a paper ball at him when his back was turned, claimed he saw me do it. One day he gave me a sanction for having my shirt untucked and another for having white socks, which frankly I saw as being ridiculous reasons. Two sanctions in a day and you get a detention, so I got a detention. This prompted me to spend my detention carefully going through the student handbook. Time for some malicious compliance. The following day, I turned up with black trainers. After Mr. D tried to give me a sanction for wearing trainers, I went to the yearhead and pointed out that shoes are shoes by definition and the handbook says black shoes. He sighed and accepted and I went back to class all smug. Day 2, I wore my tie as a belt. When Mr. D, now starting to cotton onto my plan, said I wasn't wearing a tie, I pointed out that I was indeed wearing a tie, and it was done up correctly and made an excellent belt. Off to the yearhead I went with my trusty handbook, and it only said ties must be worn and done up with a Windsor slash half Windsor, which mine was. To keep this simple, I'll give a rundown of the following days. Day 3, white socks over black socks, still wearing black socks. Day 4, black cargo trousers, still black trousers. Day 5, Hawaiian shirt over white shirt, both tucked in, still wearing white shirt. Day 6, all clothes inside out. Day 7, all clothes too small, little brothers. Day 8, high heels. At the end of the 8th day, I get pulled into a meeting with the yearhead and Mr. T. They ask me to stop, and I explained I was just trying to hammer how stupid and unfair it is to give sanctions for minor dress code infractions when their intention is to prevent bad behavior. They didn't necessarily agree, but I never got a stupid sanction like that ever again from Mr. D, so I don't know what the conversation was once I left. Needless to say, the student handbook was revised for the following term. Honestly, of all of those things, I'm surprised day 6, all clothes inside out, wasn't like, sanctionable. Usually I found all these dress codes said like, all clothes must be properly worn, and I would assume that inside out could be judged as not properly worn. I don't know, I guess you could make a stink about it, but honestly, it's just fun to push buttons when they're being stingy and picky. Loosen up a little. I guess that's the problem though, if they start letting little things go, then it very easily has the chance to grow and grow until it's the elephant in the room, but there's obviously something wrong. And our final story of the day is by Huskea4. Need a doctor's note? Alright. Another post reminded me of this. Technically it's my mom's story, but she gave me permission to post it, so here it goes. My mom has one big issue, I guess you could say. It's bugs. She doesn't do bugs at all. It comes from living in a tiny apartment when she was a kid, where when she'd flip on the light, the roaches would go scurrying away. She'd wake up with them in her hair and bed. She was a kid, and grandma was in a bad spot, so it was all they could afford, but it scarred her for life. I used to come home from school to find my mom sitting on the front porch working on her phone. 
and I'd just ask where the bug was in the house the last time she saw it. She was out there for six hours once. I'd kill the bug and she'd come back inside. Well, Missouri gets cicadas. And one year, we had the 13 and 17 year cicadas emerge at the same time. We live in a house with a screened porch on the front and back door. Not a screen door, a screened porch. Well, when the cicadas emerged, they clung to those screens. They were everywhere. You couldn't look through the screens, they were so thick. So mom called out of work. I wasn't in school yet, but she also called my sister out of summer school. By day three, with no end in sight of the cicada apocalypse, her work said she needed a doctor's note. The ladies at work all knew about mom's phobia and knew it was probably the cicadas that had set her off. Even the lady who called her and said she needed a note. The lady was nice though apologized but said without a doctor's note the bosses were gonna cause issue pretty much said i'm sorry but you have to eventually leave your house well that wasn't happening my mom called my doctor she was friends with my pediatrician for years she explained the situation to him he was just like really you have to leave eventually and mom explained that no she did not my dad parents were divorced but fairly friendly was bringing her groceries through the only unscreened window and that she was not leaving that house until the cicadas all died off in six weeks she didn't care what she had to write on that note she was having a mental breakdown she had mono she was dying she didn't care but she needed a note for work and he was going to write her one and he did he faxed it to her work the next day mom says when she answered the phone call from work she could hear everyone in the office dying of laughter and the hr lady was like all right i guess we'll be seeing you in six weeks mom can't even remember what excuse the doctor went with anymore we spent those six weeks playing cards and doing puzzles honestly it would be a pretty fond memory for me if it wasn't for the fact that i still remember the army of cicadas on the screens Cicadas are the one bug that I will sacrifice my mother for just so I can get out of the house before her. Nope, nope, nope. I don't really feel bad though. Her and my sister once bailed out of our moving van when they realized that a spider was on the inside of the windshield. Left me with the child locks in the back. Though, I'll admit, I bailed with my mom that time my friend accidentally released a cricket in the van. We were going fishing, but my other friend managed to reach over the console and hit the brakes. Okay, my family may have a problem. I'm kind of curious, like, how much the mom's mindset in regards to bugs directly led to the kid's mindsets kind of reflecting that with bugs. I'm not blaming the mom at all, but I'm saying, like, the fact that they would leave the house and sit outside for half the day just because there's one bug inside the house probably makes their kids pretty afraid of bugs too, right? I do feel bad for them, though. I hate bugs... One of the worst things in the world is a bug that you have to kill. Even with the bottom of my shoe, the idea of smushing a bug is like the most disgusting thing. I'd rather catch and release a bug if I could. What about you guys? Are you team catch and release if you can? Or are you on team kill on sight? Let me know in the comments. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories that I've read today, let me know which one was your favorite too down in the comments. And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 